0: Does everybody have a message guide? Everybody have if you don't have a message guide, raise your hand and we'll make sure that you get one. A message guide. Now, before I go any farther, I do want to say this. Let's see, Evan, come back in here. Evan Medina. Uh, some some when Evan first when I first met Evan, he, his nickname was Cash. I haven't figured out why that is yet. Because to my knowledge, he's not like rolling in the dough or anything like that. But uh but Evan, come on up here, Evan. And uh, well, I just want I want everyone to see Evan, uh, and then we're gonna. I know the worship team prayed for him uh, t- today, after practice, and um, and tomorrow I, I want to just pray over him. Um, he's leaving. This is Evan's last weekend with us, and he's going back, moving back to Syracuse, and then uh, he's gonna spend the rest of um. The winter and summer in Syracuse. And then his plan is to enroll at Christ for the Nations in, in the fall. So hopefully we'll be seeing him some when he comes back uh, to God's country in September. But uh, uh, Evan came here to work with the youth and be a part of the worship team. Just, just, just help out anywhere he could with the ministry. And, and uh, I just really have enjoyed getting to know Evan. And, and uh, he's been a blessing to have around. And so uh, I just want to encourage you, I want you to see him, and I want you to be praying for Evan, just pray that God would lead and guide his steps, that God would open the doors that need to be opened, and uh, that God would bless him for coming here and sowing into Christ's fellowship in in the city of Taylor. He came here, he didn't ask for anything, uh, but he came here and he just gave of himself and gave uh, what the Lord had deposited in him, and I think that's just an awesome, awesome thing. And so, thank you, Evan. We bless you. And uh, tomorrow we're going to pour oil all over you and just uh, do all kinds of things to embarrass you, okay? God bless you, man. But pray for Evan as he goes back and uh, pray for a safe trip. I know he's going to have one. He told me his mother is just totally freaked out that he's driving all the way from Texas to New York and she's afraid that he's going to get caught in a blizzard and become a popsicle or something. But. You know, if you're a mom, how that is sometimes. And so, in God good? God's good that he brings people into our lives and through our lives and allows us to make connections and establish relationships. And you know, uh, we're not going to take anything to heaven with us. Whatever we amass in this world, you realize none of it's going to go with us. We're not going to take any of our possessions. We're not going to take our money. We're not going to take anything... But, but I do believe that there is something that we're going to take to heaven with us that we'll have, that, we've, that we have gained on this earth, and that will be the relationships with, with other people. The relationships that you have established and developed here, whether they're just for a season or whether they're lifelong, in Christ, I believe that we will carry those relationships into eternity. And uh, they won't be the focus of our time in eternity, but I believe as members of the body of Christ, those relationships will, will endure. Uh, they have to because we're all part of His body. Amen? Alright, if you have your message, God, I want you to, uh, we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 4, and I don't know if, if that's, that's probably not on the top of yours, right under that acronym, EQUIP, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, I want to read to you this section of Scripture. Here's where we're going to begin tonight. And we're going to talk about being equipped. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So I want to draw your attention right there to, to two things. God gave these ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He gave those to the church for the work of For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So my vocation may be a pastor and I'm here to equip you. But we're all saints and we're all called to what? To the work of ministry. And I want you to understand that church. I want you to catch a revelation of this. You have a work and you have A ministry, it has nothing to do with a title that man puts on your head. It has nothing to do with a job description that a man gives you. It has nothing to do with what you do inside of a building or or under the auspices of a denomination or an organization. You have a calling, you have a ministry. It's given to you by God himself. And you are called to the work of ministry. The word ministry means simply service. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And we are called into the service of God our King. We are called to the work of service. To to serve what? To serve his purpose. To serve his will. To serve his plan of everything concerning Christ. To make the gospel known. To make Christ known. And so that is the work of ministry that we're called to. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. So Paul says, hey, God, Jesus gave these gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up, the edifying. That word edify simply means to build up. For the building up of the body of Christ. Our work of ministry is building up the body of Christ. And we do that in a whole lot of ways. We do that by reaching the lost. We do that by encouraging the brethren We do it in all kinds of ways. So the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. How long till we all come to the unity of the faith. To the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect, a complete man. That is Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. That we may grow up. In all things swear into him, into Christ, who is the head. From whom, from this head, from Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. That's us. We're joined and knit together. That's why I said relationships will endure. We're joined and knit together. It's not just a physical. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And in the spirit, we're joined and knit together to, to make up the mystical body of Christ. By what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And so this concept of us being equipped for the work of ministry, and the work of ministry is the building up of the body of Christ. I want to talk to you about this tonight. Now, we're going to begin with a pop quiz. Everybody have their pop quiz right there? So let's take the pop quiz real quick. Question number one, are you here to be equipped for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ? Yes or no? You mark mark whichever answer you think is right there. This is your own personal pop quiz. I'm not going to take it up and see whether anybody passed or failed. Question number two, here it is, are you here to be equipped to look and reach beyond yourself into the lives of others for the cause of Christ? Are you here? Why did you come? Why do you come to church? Why do you assemble together are you here are you here to to be equipped to look to see and to reach beyond yourself into the lives of others for the cause of Christ for a cause greater than yourself yes or no how about question number three is your relationship with Christ all about what God can do for you last question is your relationship with Christ all about what God can do in you and through you? Now I won't ask, but but how many got three yeses and one no? Well, I didn't tell you to raise your hand. I won't ask you what order those yeses or no in. It would make a difference, but but I want you, I, I ask those questions because I want you to think about this church. Don't don't go through life just with with no purpose, don't go through life with no understanding or meaning for what you're doing, don't just be like a ball bearing in a pinball machine just being bounced from here to there, from hither to yonder, from pillar to post, go through life and understand that you have a purpose, you have a meaning for being here, you're not a wandering generality as Zig Ziglar would say, you're a meaningful specific You have meaning, you have a specific purpose, and we need to go through life understanding that. We really do, church, we need to ask ourselves, do do we just come here out of habit because we don't have anything better to do, or when we walk through the doors of this building, when we pull up on this parking lot as we're preparing to come here, as we're driving in our cars, are we thinking about what we're going to do when we get here? Are you driving thinking, well, I wonder what songs they're going to sing tonight. I wonder what Pastor Jeff's going to talk about tonight. Man, I hope it's good because I sure did want to stay home and just chill tonight. I mean, is that our attitude? Are you coming? Are you thinking, you know what? Who can I encourage when I get there? Who can I provoke? Who can I motivate? Who can I build up in the faith? You know, I'm feeling kind of down myself You know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm just going to work real hard tonight and and find somebody and build them up and encourage them. You know what? When you do that, you're going to be built up and you're going to be encouraged. Do you see the difference your attitude, your mentality, your mind will make? It, It all, it makes a huge difference. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves, church, these questions. We really do. So let's talk about being equipped. Equip me. I'm assuming, I know that's dangerous, that if you came, you came to be equipped. And you're saying, Pastor, equip me. Because that's what I'm supposed to be here for, is to equip you for the work of ministry. And the work of ministry doesn't just, it's out there, but it's in here. It's not just in here, it's out there. It's, It's anywhere and everywhere you go. So why equip me? Well, because getting equipped is all about what God can do through you because He now lives where? In you. Do you understand that? Church, this is so important. I, The longer I live and the more I talk to people, and I, I have made it my mission in life to talk to as many people as I can and try to find out if they really Know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. I mean Christians. People who profess to be believers. And I am amazed. At the lack of knowledge. That exists in people. Who profess to be Christians. Their lack of knowledge. Concerning the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It, It is almost. Scary. If truth be known. It really is. And we wonder why the church is in the condition it is. We wonder why the nation is in the condition it is. Why the world is in the condition it is. I mean, if the people of God don't even know what the truth is, whoo! help us, Jesus. We need to know what the truth is. We need to know what the gospel is. We're here to be equipped. We need to understand that God wants us to be equipped so that he can Do a work through us because he now lives in us. I said it before, I'll say it again. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you. Are you born again? Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Or do you know about him? See, a lot of people know about him. I would venture to say that the vast, vast majority of Americans know all about Jesus. They know about him. But that doesn't mean they know him. And it's got to be more than just knowing about him. we got to know him, church. Do you know him? And if you do, do you have a passion to make sure that others know him? Do you see it as, as... As why God has put you on this earth to make Christ known. We have lots of all kinds of, we have all kinds of wacky notions about what that looks like. You don't have to be a walking track, knocking on doors, cold turkey, going through your neighborhood, being obnoxious. Matter of fact, that's probably one of the least effective ways to witness. I'm talking about living your life every day, going to work going to the store, just wherever you go every day, doing what you do every day, can we do that with a purpose and an understanding that, that Christ lives in me, that the Spirit of God lives in me? And at any given moment, God by His Spirit could move on you to pray for someone, to speak to someone, that God would even choose to do a miracle through you, that you could lay hands Don't go try to find the pastor to have the pastor come pray for this person you know that's sick. You pray for that person. You lay hands on them. You pray the prayer of faith and believe that God will work through you because, honey, He will do it. He will absolutely do it. Do we believe that? Or have we been conditioned? I know there's lots of traditions, even tonight, represented in this room. And there's a lot of people, I I spent all my time today at Shepherd's Heart talking to a young lady who just absolutely lives in fear. She's been conditioned to live in fear, fearful that that God has not chosen her for salvation. Fearful that if she does one thing wrong, God is going to just get her. And consequently, she's afraid to do anything because she's afraid if she makes a mistake, God may just, I mean... Do something to condemn her or punish her. Now that may sound funny to to some of you, but I'm telling you what, there's people out there like that. Oh, she knew about Jesus. She knew Jesus was the way to salvation. She just was paralyzed and conditioned to believe that, that... That God surely wouldn't do anything. She was just trying to make it through life, hoping that when she died, she'd find out whether she was going to get to go to heaven or not. Whether God had chosen her. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I'm telling you what, Jesus wants to set us free. Whatever bondage we're in, whatever man has conditioned us to believe about who God is and how God looks at us. I mean, forget what man says. Let's let's see what the man said. Let's see what Jesus has said. Let's go back to what Jesus says. Let's believe his living word and let that living word set you free. Let that living word break the chains of bondage off of you and come to, to know that you are a chosen vessel. I'm telling you what, the very fact that that you're in this room listening to my voice tonight, I can promise you God has chosen you for salvation. The question is, will we respond? I promise you the very fact that you're sitting in this room listening to me tonight, God desires to work through you, to move through you by His Spirit. He wants to use your hands to heal the sick. He wants to use your words that you speak from your mouth I mean, the word of God coming from your mouth. He wants to use your mouth to set the captives free. He wants to use your mouth to, to proclaim a thing, to call those things that are not as though they are. So how, how do you know, Pastor Jeff, God would really do that with me? Because you're listening to my words tonight. And I'm telling you what God has said. This isn't what I say. This is what God has said in his word. This is why you're called to be equipped, that is the work of ministry so that you can go out. That's why God said in the tongue is the power of death and life. Those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. I mean, God says you got death and life in your tongue. Which are you going to love to eat? Are you going to love to eat the fruit of death? Are you going to love to eat the fruit of life? Or what are you going to speak? What are you going to sow into the atmosphere, life or death? Well, we're called to to speak life, to declare life. You've got to come to be equipped so that you can do that. You've got to first believe that God really wants to do that through you. Because the devil's out there lying to anybody that will listen to him. And there's too many people listening to him. And the devil is saying, God would never use you. God would never do that. God has not chosen you. See what's happening in your life? That's proof positive that God's forgotten about you. Well, you know, if God really loved you, you wouldn't be sick right now. Are you going to believe the lies of the enemy? Are you going to get equipped with the truth and let the truth set you free? And keep you free? The truth will set you free. But I'm telling you what, we have a responsibility once set free to remain free. We can get set free today and tomorrow, enter right back into bondage. But Jesus didn't set us free so that we could go in and out of bondage. He set us free so that we could be free and live free. For he whom the Son has set free, he said, is, is what? It's free indeed. So equip me. It's about what God can do through you. Because he now lives in you. Christ in you the hope of glory so say this say I am a member oh come on say it louder say I am a member get excited about it I'm a member yeah I'm a member of the body of Christ no come on I am a member a part of the body of Christ do we understand how awesome that is Ms. Bussey, you just tell me before the service. She said, people don't understand their salvation. They don't know what they have in their salvation. I'm saying, preach it, sister. We don't. I'm trying to grasp it myself. And I, the more I, the more I try to grasp it, the more I realize I can't even begin to comprehend what God has given me through salvation in Christ Jesus. But I'm glad I've got it. It's overwhelming. It's like, a, it's like this giant thing that I, ca- I can't wrap my mind around it. I can't even get my eyes around it. I, I can't even begin to understand it. But yet I know that God has brought me into it. And I know it's good. And so I'm excited that I am a member, a part of the body of Christ. It's time, church, for the church to get excited. Well, I guess we'll go to church again. You know, we're having a hard time. If we don't go, it might even get harder, so I guess we, I guess we better go. Otherwise, God, God might even be more mad at us than he already is. I mean, come on, is that our attitude? There's a lot of people that have that attitude. I mean, you laugh, but I'm telling you what. That defines more of the church of Jesus Christ than you can possibly imagine. Like God, some big ogre up in heaven waiting to smack us down. That's not who God is. If God wanted to judge us, he'd have judged us. If he wanted to condemn us, he would have condemned us. He judged his son. And we were brought into his son and we were judged, but we were judged in his son. And now he's opened the door and invited us by faith to come in and have life. Where? In his Son. So that he can do what? So that he can do a work through us. God's not waiting for us to all get to heaven so he can do a work. Honey, I'm telling you, God's doing a work right here and right now. He's doing a work in the earth. And we are the body of Christ, the hands, the feet, the members that he's going to do the work through. The enemy desperately does not want you to understand that. He does not want you to get a revelation of that. He wants to make you think that you got to pay this and do penance for that and, and do all kinds of things and go through this and go through that. No, listen, Jesus already paid the price. There's one mediator between God and man. It is the man, Christ Jesus. Do you have faith? Do you have faith that God, God in you, Christ in you, wants to do a work through you? You need to. That's what you should be here to be equipped for. This is what we need to know, that when you build up the body of Christ, you build up yourself. Why? Because you are a member of that body. You just confessed that you were. Was your confession true? You know what the word confess means? To confess, it means to agree with. It just simply means I'm going to agree with. Confessing that Jesus is Lord, I'm agreeing that he is. My confession is my agreement that he is Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you, out of your mouth, agree with the truth, I'll tell you the truth will set you free. As you're being equipped, you are being built up. When you come to be equipped, and you don't have to come here to get equipped. I mean, your greatest teacher is the Holy Spirit. He's your greatest teacher. See, I can give you information, but only the Holy Spirit can take the information. Even if I'm giving you the word of God, it's only the Holy Spirit that can take that living word and make it revelation to you. I can give you information. I can give you really good information. But only the Holy Spirit can give you revelation. And there is a difference between information and revelation. There's lots of people going to church getting lots of information about all kinds of things. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, most of the information we get in church today, as I view the landscape of the, of, of the American church, most of it doesn't have anything to do with Holy Spirit revelation. You, you can go anywhere and get a lot of that information. You can go read a good self help book, you can go to a cell seminar, you can go all kinds of places. Listen, we don't need more self help, we don't need more formulas. We need Holy Ghost revelation. We need a revelation of the truth. How are you and how am I going to get that revelation? How am I going to get it? Can I pay for it? No. Remember Simon tried that and he got rebuked by Peter. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. But you can ask for it and if you ask for it jesus said you'll receive it you can knock for it and jesus said if you knock for it it will be open how long should i knock pastor jeff well how bad do you want the revelation who has ever done door-to-door sales even when you were in school remember I remember one time we we went on a band trip and we had to sell turkeys. And so, you know, or popcorn. Remember TV Time Popcorn? That was one of the favorites. And, and so our band, we had a huge band in high school. And we were forever selling TV Time Popcorn. And I hated selling that popcorn. But you know what we were supposed to do is go through the neighborhood and knock on the doors and try to t- sell TV Time Popcorn to, to anyone and every So... How many of you that have ever done door-to-door sales has done this? You knock on the door. Well, I guess they're not home. And you leave because you really don't want to talk to them anyways. Well, I called them on the phone. It rings twice and you hang up and say, well, I called but they didn't answer. I guess they're not home. How bad do you want the revelation? How long should I knock? Well, let me ask you, how bad do you want the revelation? I've been knocking, but I ain't got the revelation yet. How bad do you want the revelation? See, how bad you want the revelation is how long you're going to knock. How how many times should I ask, how bad do you want the revelation? Because as bad as you want the revelation, that's how how many times you'll ask. You'll keep asking until you get it. How long shall I seek? How bad do you want the revelation? Because here's what God said. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, you will seek me and you will find me when? When you seek after me with all of your heart. Now, I'm not being ugly, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. Today, today at Shepherd's Heart, there were two people that responded to the altar call. And, and, uh, and so I had them come and sit at a table. And, and there were three, there were four of us sitting at this table. Two of them had responded to the altar call, me and another person. And so, now, here's the thing, church. It used to be that, you know, and I just don't do this anymore. Say this prayer after me, and you'll be saved. Now, I know the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and, and, and believe in your heart. But see, the, it's, the, it's the believing in the heart. That word believe means to trust. And it's not about, it's not about repeating a formula prayer that I tell you to say. See it doesn't really matter what your words are as much as what's in your heart. And so I set them down there. Now remember, the way it works at Shepherd's Heart is, we have a short devotion, and it was a short devotion. It's about 10 minutes, probably. And we had an altar call, we had a prayer, then, then the two people that responded, we're sitting at the table. And now, by this time, The numbers have been passed down, and it's time to go get your food. And so we're sitting there, and and I told them, I told everybody, I said, I know you guys came here to get food today, but I promise you, the spiritual food, the bread of life is much, much more important than the physical food you're going to get here today. Because you can get a bag of groceries or two that'll feed you for a few days, but if you... If you will receive the bread of life, the fountain of living waters, you'll never hunger or thirst again. So we're sitting there, and about about ten minutes into me talking with them, because I, I wanted them to understand as much as possible. I wanted to give them truth so that the Spirit of God could give them a revelation of what it means to be born again. I mean, just, just saying, say this prayer after me, let's pray again. I mean, that may be fine. But I, I, I know when I got saved, somebody took the time with me to take me through the scripture. And they gave me truth. And you know what? I can tell you the exact date and time that I came to faith in Christ. It was July 19, 1984. And that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean if you don't know the date. But I'm just saying... From July nineteenth, nineteen eighty-four, it was over a year before I was in church. It was, it was over a year before I, I didn't I didn't get saved and then go to church because I didn't get saved in the church. And for that from that time when I gave my life to Jesus that night until I came to this place and sat under Pastor Bennett's ministry, I had no continuous Word of God until I came here and I joined Charlie and Joe Lynn's uh, Sunday school class in their house right there at their duplex right there at, at 6th and, and Howard, me and Andrea, joined their Sunday school. But until that time, I'm just out there floating around, but I'm going to tell you what, I never forgot the time that woman spent with me that night and she took me through the Scriptures and she gave me the Scripture and she... I mean, the Spirit of God would call it to my remembrance. And I remembered. She gave me exactly what I needed. She said, this is what's going to happen. This is the temptation that's going to come. This is what the enemy's going to say to you. And this is the scripture that you need to come against him with. So today, when I, when I sat down with these two, two ladies who had given their life to Christ, I said, you know what? I'm going I'm I'm to show you the scripture because it's, it's important for you. Number one, do you understand what you're fixing to do? Jesus said, count the cost. Well, about 10, 15 minutes into our talk, the one became very impatient. And she said, I need to go get my food. I said, well, praise God. God bless you. And she went and got her food. The other one hung the whole time and stayed to the very end. And we prayed together. Now I could have said, well hold on, wait before you leave, let's pray together. But see, here's the thing, and this is the question, church, we need to ask ourselves. How bad do we want a revelation of Christ? How bad do we want to know Him? I mean, do we want to just come and get a quick fix? I mean, that's really what our society has turned into. God, just, just, just fix it for me. God, just give me a quick fix. I don't want to have to struggle with it. I don't want to have to endure anything. just, just, Just do it for me, God. Well, he's done it for you. He's done everything for you on the cross. Now, we have a responsibility, church, to avail ourselves to what he has provided in his son. How bad do we want the revelation? What is the work of ministry? It's Christ in you, working through you. To do what? To build up his body. To what? To the fullness who fills all in all. Ephesians 1.23 says the church which is his body, the fullness who fills all in all. And and in Ephesians 4.16 it talks about the body building itself up in love. That's us. We build ourselves up in love. We come to be equipped to do that. We come to provoke one another to love in good works. That's building the body. And as I build the body, as I purpose to build the body, I am automatically built up myself. If I go through life trying to figure out how I'm going to get built up because I'm so down and so needy or I'm so selfish and I want to get more of the promises of God and more of what God has said can be mine, If I go through life self-centered, I'm not ever going to build anybody else up. I I, I spend all my time focused on myself. But it's amazing how it works. If we come purposing to build others up, we automatically are built up. Because we're all part of the body of Christ. So where is the work of ministry? Where is it? It's wherever wherever you are. In H-E-B. There is the work of ministry. Pushing your shopping cart. Come around the corner, you smash into somebody else. Could be a divine appointment. How do you know it's not? You can get upset because they ran into your cart or they were in your way. Or you can take it as a divine appointment. When is the work of ministry? It's whenever you're there. Wherever you are, whenever you're there, that's when the work of ministry is. It's not 8 to 5 on a Sunday morning. It's not 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night. It's not 6 o'clock on a Saturday night. It's wherever you are whenever you're there. I I started to say every waking hour, but I think God even does the work of ministry in our sleep because he can give you dreams and visions. Have you ever woken up and, and, and realized that God gave you something in your sleep? What did you do with it? Did you just pass it off as bad pizza the night before? Or did you say, you know what, I believe God is, is showing me something. Have you ever felt a, a, just a, an unction or a, an inclination to call someone up and pray for them? And you said, oh, that's silly. They're probably not even at home. Or they probably laugh at me. Maybe they wouldn't. I'm convinced that we, we just don't even realize... That God speaks to us all the time and we just brush him off. Because we're looking for some, I don't know what we're looking for. But whatever we're looking for, that's not what God's going to give us. He's going to come in the way we least expect. That's why the scripture says he's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come when you least expect him in the way that you least expect him to come. Do you realize that's how Jesus came the first time? Everybody was looking for Jesus, but they weren't looking for a, a Messiah riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Everybody was looking for a conquering king, but they weren't looking for a Messiah that hung on a cross and conquered everything and became Lord of lords and king of kings by his death, burial, and resurrection. They weren't looking for that. They they were looking for something totally different. And you know what? They missed him. They missed him. And even Jesus said, your house is left desolate because you did not recognize this time, this hour of visitation. Church, do you realize that we can miss it? God is visiting us all the time. I mean, we 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 live in the presence of God if we're in Christ, and the presence of God lives in us. And everywhere we go, we carry the presence with us. Everywhere we go, the anointing goes with us. Don't wait for someone to come along and give you the anointing There's only one person that can give you the anointing. His name is Jesus Christ. And that anointing only comes by the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, then you carry the anointing everywhere you go. Now, the devil doesn't want you to believe that. But that's the truth because that's what the Scripture says. Go to 1 John and read chapter 2 and you'll, you'll see. That's exactly what the Scripture says. So where is the work of ministry? It's wherever you are. When is it? It's it's whenever you're there. So let's talk about being established. Because I took this word equip, I made an acronym out of it, and the first letter of the acronym is E. And E stands for being established. Why is it important for us to be established? Just in a real practical sense. Have you ever tried to help someone up that has fallen down? If you reach down to, to pull them up, if you've not established yourself, When you go to pull them up, you know what's going to happen? You're going to fall down. But if you establish yourself and you're stable and firm, you can help them up and you won't stumble. So why is it important for us to be established? If we're walking, I, I like to go hiking. When we go camping, my favorite thing to do is to go hiking. And if you're hiking on a hiking trail up in the hills and it's rock and rough and rocky terrain, if you're not established when you're walking, you know what can happen? You can stumble and fall. So it's important to be established. Why? Because if we're not established, we'll stumble. You must be established. Why? That you do not stumble. That you do not stumble. So how should I be established? Here's four scriptures I want to give you. Hebrews 13, 19, 13, 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established, how? By grace. Church, you should be established by grace. The writer of Hebrews goes on there and he says that you should be your heart should be established by grace, not by foods that you eat, not by things that you do. Those works don't establish you. You are established by grace. Grace. It's the grace of God that saves you, not what you eat or what you don't eat. It's the grace of God that saves you. It's not your works. It's none of that. It is the grace of God that has brought salvation to us. We need to be established by grace. 2 Peter 1.12, For this reason I will not be neg- negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in The present truth. We need to be established in the truth. Who is the truth? John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Remember, truth is not a philosophy. It's not a concept. It's not an idea. Truth is a person. We need to be established in the truth. And Jesus Christ is the truth. We need to be established in him. He is the truth that will set us free. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Well, that's, that's a real basic thing that we need to get down. If you've received him, so walk in him. In other words, let your light show Christ whom you have received. If you've got the light, then honey, let your light shine. If you've got the life in you, then let the life come out of you. If you've received Christ, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. We need to be established in the faith. Who is the object, the center of our faith? It is Christ. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please God. We need to be established in the faith. 2 Thessalonians two seventeen. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation, And good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. We need to be established in every good word and every good work. Who is the word? John 1.1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Are there bad words out there? Jesus in the parable of the soil talked about the sower sowing good seed. He said the seed is the word of God. In the the parable right after it, the parable of the wheat and the tares, it said an enemy came and sowed bad seed into the field. Are there bad words out there? You better believe there is. Are there false Christ out there? Yes, there are. Are there lies out there pretending to be the truth? Absolutely. Don't be established in every word, be established in every good word. Be established in Christ, be established in the truth, be established in the faith. And in every good work. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which who prepared? Which he prepared beforehand. When you came into Christ, when you were born again, you were brought into Christ and God has already prepared the works that he wants you to walk in. They're not your works that will earn you salvation because there is no work that can earn you salvation. They're his works that he's prepared for you to walk in so that now you as his body, so that you can stretch forth his hand to heal, so that you can open his mouth and speak forth the truth, so that you can take and walk. His, as his feet, carrying him to the nations. Or maybe just across the street or next door to your neighbor would, would be even better than going to the nations. We all want to go save the nations, but we can't even save our, our own neighborhood. I ain't never figured that one out. So we should be established in every good work, in every good word. So how do I become established? Go to Second 2 Peter. I should be. How should I be established? By grace, in truth, in faith, in every good word, in every good work. How do I get established in those things? Well, we need to first of all remember that it's by grace. It's not going to be anything that we do in and of ourselves. It is the grace of God that allows us to be established in those things. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, I put it here in your, your message guide, or you can follow in your Bible. Let's read this together. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace, peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our, and Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us, who has given to us? He has given to us, as His divine power has given to us all things, say all things, church, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, I know this is a real simple thing, but I want you to catch this. Is there anything that God, in His divine power, has not given you that pertains to life? Is there anything He's not given you? Is there anything in His divine power that He has not given you That pertains to your godliness. Is there? No. There's not. He has given us all things. That pertain to life and godliness. How do we come into those? How do we realize those? How do we get a revelation of those? How do we take those things. All those things that he's given us. It's kind of like that bank account. I've got the bank account. It's in my name. But if I don't have knowledge of it. Is it going to do me any good? I'll never write a check on it if I don't have knowledge that it's there. But once I have knowledge that it's there and it's mine, then I have access to it and I can put it to work, can't I? Well, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him, that's Christ, who called us by glory and virtue, by which, by Christ, every has given to us, in Christ, he has given to us exceedingly great And precious promises. Every promise of God is where? It's given to you in Christ. It's accessed by you. In Christ. It's revealed to you. In Christ. It's made yours. In Christ. So he's given us these great. And precious promises. That through these promises. You may be partakers of. The divine nature. Having escaped. The corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, okay, this is what the grace of God has done for us. The grace of God has, by his divine power, by his grace, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's given us these great and precious promises in his son. He's done that by grace. Then he says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, say diligence. Now here, see, this is a word that we don't like. Diligence keeps you knocking. Diligence will keep you knocking until you get the revelation. Diligence will keep you seeking until you get the revelation. Diligence will keep you asking until you get the revelation. Diligence will keep you at the table and not get impatient. Because what do you want? What's more important to you? This world? The lust of the flesh? The lust of the eyes? The pride of life? The things of this world? Is that more important? Or is something that's beyond this world more important to you? It's a question we're all asked. It's a decision every one of us will have to make. But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith... Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. You see that we're not just adding those. That's compounded. That's line upon line, precept upon precept. It's a building that's taking place. It starts with faith and we're adding all of those. For if these things, verse 8, if these things are yours and abound, you will neither You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in what? In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that knowledge important? You know why it's important? Because His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as we add these things, as these things abound in our lives, we will never be barren nor unfruitful. Where? In the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They can take everything you have. They can strip you of everything you own. But they can never take the knowledge of Jesus Christ away from you. And you can always be fruitful and abounding in the knowledge of Jesus Christ regardless of what your circumstances might be in the world. For he, verse 9, look at this, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten. When you forget something, where, if someone says I'm forgetful, where is the problem with my forgetfulness? What part of my body is it that's got the problem if I'm forgetful? It's my mind, isn't it? It's my mind. He who lacks these things has forgotten. Something has happened to their mind. Their mind was fine one day, but but guess what happened? They reverted. And they forgot. They forgot what? That he was cleansed from his old sins. They forgot that he became a new creation. They reverted back to the old way of thinking. Do you know that temptation's with you every day to revert back to the old way of thinking? It doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. I am convinced that there are many, many Christians who are saved in Jesus Christ, but they're, they are living, they are living out of their old mind, out of their old man. They have forgotten that they have been cleansed. And the problem's not here. The problem is right here. Here's where the problem is. You begin to understand why it's important that our minds be renewed. And you can't just say, oh, well, I renewed my mind 15 years ago. I'm good to go. Honey, you better renew it every day. Paul said, I die daily. He didn't literally die daily. But Paul said, I reckon that old man is dead every day. I'm not not digging that corpse up. I'm not going to carry that dude around with me. He is dead. He's crucified. I reckon him dead every day. I'm not going to live out of the mind of the old man. I'm going to live out of the mind of the new man, the new creation. I'm going to let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to have the mind of Adam anymore. I'm going to have the mind of the man from heaven. Because I'm not of the earth. I'm not from beneath. I'm from above. I've been born again. I've been cleansed. He has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of his son. And as long as I live and abound in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'll never be barren. I'll never be unfruitful. They can take everything I have. I can be abased. I can be abound. Rich, poor, shipwrecked, stoned It doesn't matter. They can't take Christ away from me. I will always be fruitful. I will always abound. It doesn't have anything to do with my circumstances here on this earth. See, the devil wants you to believe it has everything to do with your circumstances here on this earth. He wants you to believe that your blessing, that your favor with God has everything to do with your physical, material, circumstantial condition here on this earth. Don't get me wrong. I want to drive the best, live in the best, wear the best, have the best, eat the best. I love the best. And if God allows me to do that, I'm a happy camper. But the day God says, sorry, I think today I'm going to let them stone you to death. I think today I'm going to let them beat you with 40 stripes minus one for the gospel's sake. You know that happened to Paul. What do we do, church? Say, well, it doesn't happen. Oh, Pastor Jeff, come on, get real, dude. That doesn't happen in America. Okay, maybe it doesn't happen in America, but it's happening all over the world right now. To our brothers and our sisters. So what are you going to say to them? Are they less blessed? They have a little less favor from God. They're 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 second-class, red-headed king's kids. They're not his most favorite because God's letting them be persecuted. What are you going to say to that? I'll tell you what the Bible says to that. The Bible says their condition doesn't make any difference of anything. Don't get your eyes on the things of this earth. Seek those things above. Fix your eyes on Christ who is above. And if you'll abound in the knowledge of Jesus, you'll never be barren. You'll never be unfruitful. And you will always be established. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. You know what that word sure means there? I'm not talking about deodorant either. It means stable, firm, solid, if you're sure, you're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You're not moved from pillar to post. You don't have a consumer relationship with Jesus Christ. And as long as the consumption is good, we're good to go. But when the consumption gets lean, well, I'm looking for greener pastures. Mm-mm. If you... Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, what? The things we just talked about. If you'll be diligent to walk in those things, to abound in those things, you will never stumble. That means you'll be established. You'll be sure-footed, firm, solid. You'll never fall. You'll never offend. You'll never be offended is what that means. You'll never allow the truth to offend you. You're never going to trip. You become sure. You become established as you give all diligence, church, all diligence to add to your faith. To add to your faith. You give all diligence. Who gives all diligence? You give all diligence. And if you do that, you will be established. Now, I didn't put it, I, 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 for some reason I left it out there, but right there on your sheet, it says, you become sure or established as you give all diligence to add to your faith, dot, dot, dot. I want you to write in there. I want you to understand you do that by the renewing of your mind, by renewing your mind to Christ. How often should you renew your mind? Every day. Every day, renew your mind according to the knowledge of him who created him, Colossians 3 says. You do these things and you will never stumble. You will always be sure, firm, solid, not tossed to and fro. You will be established. How do we do those things? We do them by the grace of God. Remember, first and foremost, we're established by grace. Not by works lest any man should boast In other words you must do diligence But it is by his grace That his spirit empowers you And works in you To give you the diligence To add to your faith These things to become sure And established That you would never stumble Amen You're here church To do what? To be equipped for what? For the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. For how long till we all come to the unity of the faith, the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God? Do you have a revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory, or do you just know about it? Do you just know that that's a scripture in the Bible, or do you have a revelation? Say, Pastor Jeff, I just, I just don't have a revelation of that yet. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start knocking. however bad you want that revelation, you keep knocking. I want you to start asking, and however bad you want the revelation, you keep asking. I want you to start seeking, and however bad you want that revelation, you keep seeking. And I've got a little secret for you. You will find that when you get the revelation, there's another one right behind it. And the reality is we will never stop knocking. We should never stop asking. We should never stop seeking because we are seeking a Christ who is infinite, who is eternal with no beginning, no end. His manifold wisdom is beyond our comprehension. It is infinite. You can never come to the end. You should never be bored. You should never get tired of because if we're seeking Him, there is something new that he will show us every day. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. I have to stop. As I have kept you a little later than I should have. But Church, I'm telling you, get excited about Jesus. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Be discerning people. Don't, don't, listen. The times we're living in are too perilous for us to, to be Caught up with the fluff. Forsake the fluff. Go for the meat, church. I'm telling you what. We're living in days where God wants to use you to be his hands and his feet. Go out and let God use you. You need to be equipped to do that. Come with purpose and understand that God wants to use you to build somebody else up. And in the process, I promise you'll be built up. Amen? Is there anyone here? Except-